0: You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. coming elections on uh, Tuesday, Monday night, and then again all day Tuesday. So again, I would encourage as many of you as possible that can participate in that. And even if you're not able to come to the prayer room, again, it would just be great if maybe at home or wherever you are, just again, to take that opportunity just to be praying for uh, these upcoming Elections, because really is it is an opportunity for us to allow our voices uh, to be heard in uh, you know choosing who's going to be leading uh, our government you know at a local, a state, and a national level and so I just want to encourage you to really take the opportunity not just to pray that is also very, very important, but also to vote uh, to get out and to, again to exercise that right uh, to vote, and it is just crucial um, that uh, as followers of Christ, again, I think it's really important that we are voting our biblical values. Um, and oftentimes that kind of takes a little bit of homework on our part to really begin to look at the different candidates, to be looking at their different positions where they are on certain uh, issues. Because again, uh, part of our role as uh, believers is we are here to uh, you know, lift up and to affirm biblical values, and one of the ways that we can do that, uh, again, is by voting for candidates who kind of align themselves uh, as closely uh, to biblical values. Again, no candidate is ever going to be perfectly aligned with you on every issue. Um, they may not even be perfectly aligned on every issue biblically, but I think it's important to be voting for uh, candidates, leaders uh, that really uh, are the, the most closely aligned uh, with biblical values. So again, we don't tell you here who to vote for. We, we're not here to promote candidates or parties. Again, what we're here to say is just we believe it is very important for you to get out and to exercise uh, that voice, your vote, uh, and again, vote for candidates that really do affirm and uh, just uphold uh, biblical values. And this kind of segues into a little bit of what I want to talk about um, this morning, and it really is the word kindness. When it comes to the political arena, man, the current political climate is anything but kind. Right now, uh, it's really impossible to get away from all the television ads. I mean, the mailers, maybe you're getting phone calls. Uh, If you're going to... Maybe political rallies. It's just really impossible to kind of get away from, uh, again, just this sense of, of division, of, of divisiveness. Uh, right now, uh, you know, you see all these protests and there's violence um, that, that really has kind of been occurring um, at really an unprecedented rate since this last presidential uh, election. You know, politicians, you've got political leaders out there that really are encouraging uh, people uh, to harass and to threaten those that they don't agree with. And you've got Democrats attacking Republicans, Republicans attacking Democrats, and it's just just a crazy environment out there right now. We look at the recent shooting there in Philadelphia, and you just see a lot of blame and and a lot of finger-pointing that is really divisive, it's cruel, it's unnecessary. Uh, The recent Supreme Court appointment uh, of of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, I mean, brought out some of the worst behavior I think we've ever seen in the history of Supreme Court nominations. And just example after example in our culture today, it just seems no matter where you look, there is a lot of unkind things being said and done. Now, I want you to listen to what Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says of what is required of those who follow God. Listen to what he says. He, being God, has shown you, O man, and I may add, O woman, to that, He has shown you what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and mercy, to humble yourself and walk humbly with your God, to love kindness. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is kind. And that word love there, that is God's love, agape love. God's love is kind. God has, and he continues to call us his people, to love kindness. To love being kind, to love showing kindness. When kindness becomes, again, a way of being, it has a way also of manifesting itself in doing. The word kindness, or variations of that word, appear over a hundred times in Scripture. Interestingly, the Greek word uh, for kindness that is used in the New Testament is the Greek word krestos. Now, what is interesting about this word is it is one letter different from the Greek word kristos, which is the Greek word for Christ. Now, when the first church began over 2,000 years ago, many people thought Christians were simply people who believed in kindness. Christianity was was originally kind of known as the religion of kindness. As a matter of fact, you could describe kindness as kind of love in action. It's interesting to me in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is talking on the judgment day, and he says there one of the things that you'll be judged for. That all of us will give and account for in our lives is how we treated other people. And there Jesus says, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. How we treat other people. Again, kindness is simply love in action. It's not a feeling, it's it's something you are. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. And when the Holy Spirit is working kindness in us, when it becomes a part of our being, it'll just begin to naturally flow out in our doing. As a matter of fact, again, that Greek word krestos which, again, is translated as kindness. It's the same Greek word that Jesus uses in Matthew eleven thirty uh, 30, when he says, for my yoke is easy. He says, my yoke is krestos, and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, my yoke is kind. It is easy. It isn't harsh. It isn't cruel. And again, this whole idea of that word krestos is a goodness, which shows itself in kindness. One Greek lexicon defines the word uh, kindness as grace which pervades the whole nature, mellowing all within us that would be harsh and stern. Again, that word uh, krestos, it's descriptive of one's disposition. It, it, It speaks to our attitude And it doesn't necessarily entail acts of goodness. Uh, Again, in other words, it's more about who you are than what you do. When we are kindness, again, then it's just naturally going to begin to flow out of us in the way we respond and interact and treat other people. Kindness is so important to God that he gives us an example In Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 3 verse 4 says this. But after that the kindness. And love of God our Savior toward man. Appeared. The term God our Savior again. It is referring there to Jesus Christ. And what it's saying is. If you want to know what kindness looks like. Look at Jesus. He is the kindness of God revealed. Jesus says, if you want to know what kindness is, look at me. Watch me. Listen to me. And Jesus said in John 13, 15, he says, I've given you an example for you now do as I have done. Again, God never asked us to do anything that he himself first has not done As a matter of fact, when Jesus was born, I was thinking about that earlier this week. It's interesting that he entered into an extremely unkind world. You ever stopped and kind of thought about that? Jesus entered into a very cruel, a harsh, and an unkind world. Over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, he was born into a nation that was under militant occupation by the Roman military. And they were being led and they were being ruled by a very cruel tyrant by the name of King Herod the Great. And one such example of the cruelty and harshness that existed back in those days when Jesus was born, you may remember an account from the book of Matthew Following the birth of Christ, you remember some of the magi, uh, they came from the east in search of that child that was born, the Messiah. And you remember that they had gone to Herod and they were inquiring where this child might have been born. And they were seeking him out so that they could present gifts and worship him. And you remember that Herod is, is very curious and he wants to know. What they know. And he says to them specifically, when you go and find this child, I want you to come back to me. And I want you to tell me where this child is so I too can go and worship him. And so the Magi, they go off in search and they they find the Christ child. And they present the gifts to Mary and Joseph. They worship him. And then they're warned in a dream by God not to go back to Herod. So eventually, Herod kind of figures out he had been tricked uh, by these magi, and and just out of his own insecurities, uh, he decrees that all male children of the Jewish uh, people, all male children under the age of two were to be slaughtered because he wanted to make sure that he was able to get rid of this Christ child because, again, he felt threatened um, by this Christ child. And so Jesus is born into this very cruel, this very harsh, unkind, violent world. And yet, he chooses to come and look at the profound difference he made. We also live in a very unkind world. A world at times that can be very harsh and cruel And yet that same potential exists for you and I to make a profound difference. Because the very spirit that lived in Jesus, that enabled him to to show kindness and mercy and gentleness, that same spirit lives in us. And it empowers and enables us to be what Jesus was in his being and to do what Jesus did. Many of you may be familiar with that old saying, kill them with kindness. You know, you really can do that. You can kill animosity, bitterness, anger, hard feelings with just a kind word. Galatians 5.22, it lists kindness as one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. And again, as a fruit of the Spirit, again, it is something the Holy Spirit. He works. He produces that in us as we simply just yield and cooperate with what he is doing. Now, one of the ways, you know, we often find kindness can be difficult in our lives is when we're dealing with unkind people, right? I mean, our natural tendency is that we kind of want to be kind, we want to be nice, we want to be loving to people that are kind and nice and loving to us, right? Right? We would all agree it is not that difficult. As a matter of fact, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a very, very interesting observation. In Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus is talking to the multitudes about praying for your enemies, loving those who persecute you, and Jesus makes this observation in verse 46. He said, what reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Don't even ungodly people do that? Again, where kindness becomes difficult is when we encounter unkind or difficult people. That is really when we are able to discern, am I walking in the flesh right now? Or am I walking in the, in the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit within me? Again, if we can only express kindness to those who are kind to us, we're just walking in the flesh and, and we're really no different than anybody else. We're no different than those who are non-Christians because it takes little to no effort to do that. But if we can express kindness to people who are unkind, even in extreme cases, this can become evidence of the power, of the presence of the Holy Spirit working in us. And it really is the same with all of the other uh, nine fruits of the Spirit that Paul lists there. So the question becomes, how does God produce this fruit in us? If God is going to produce that fruit of kindness in us, if it is a work of the Holy Spirit, how does God do this? How does God produce any of his attributes or characteristics in us? Very, very simply, whatever we behold, whatever we embrace, whatever we understand, whatever we have revelation of about God's heart toward us is what we will become toward God and others. Whatever you embrace Whatever you understand, whatever you know, experience about the heart of God toward you is what you will begin to do for others. It's what you'll begin to do towards God and towards others. So, again, let me just give you an example. If we, you know, behold, if we embrace, if we understand God is being angry and judgmental in time you will also become angry and judgmental towards God and toward others. Whatever we understand about God's heart toward us is what we will understand. It's it's what changes our hearts towards God and towards others. Does that make sense? So when God wants to awaken and maybe kind of begin to transform us by his love, Okay. His method, the way God is going to accomplish that is he is going to begin to reveal himself as a God who loves fully and unconditionally. And if we behold, if we embrace, if we understand, we get hold of that love of God in time, we will become those who truly love God and truly know how to love others. When we kind of begin again to focus pursue, understand God's heart, his emotions toward us, there is a corresponding emotion that is awakened, quickened, and produced in our hearts. And the same emotion attributes, characteristics that we gaze upon and pursue within the heart of God, they are the same ones that will be awakened um, and quickened in our hearts and our lives. And that will begin to flow back to God. It will begin to flow back to others. Again, it's working from the inside out. So when it comes to kindness, in order for kindness to be produced in me, I first have to fix my eyes. I've got to focus. I've got to gaze upon God's kindness toward me. I want to understand God's kindness. So the first step for me is to begin to look at what are the ways that God's kindness has been expressed towards me. To embody kindness, to really have that work of the Spirit done within us, we have got to embrace and understand the way God's kindness has been revealed and directed toward ourselves personally. And one of the ways we do that is through the Word of God. So when you fill your mind, your heart, your spirit with the word of God, he changes our hearts toward him, and he'll begin to change your heart toward others. So how has God's kindness been revealed to us through his word? Well, look at Luke chapter 6, verse 35. This is just one of several examples I want to give you this morning. And there Jesus says, but love your enemies. Again, we saw that earlier, but again he says, love your enemies and do good and lend Expect nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons, you will be daughters of the Most High. And and get this, for he himself is what? Kind to grateful and good people. Look at that last statement. That tells you something about the heart of God. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. God is kind to people who don't even know or care about his kindness. Isn't that amazing? God is kind to those who are evil. God is kind to those who are opposed to the very idea of God. God is uh, kind to those who reject him. To those who don't want anything to do with him. God is kind towards them. Now Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Says something profound about the way God's kindness works. In the hearts of unbelievers. It says that it is God's kindness that leads us to what? Repentance. God's Kindness is revealed to us in such a way that it will lead us to repentance. God's kindness doesn't lead us to his wrath, his anger, his judgment. God's kindness leads us to repent of our sins and be forgiven. And God shows his kindness, again, to those who don't deserve it. And therefore, we are called to do the same. A true story about a Christian woman who lived in the country, and she was a very godly woman. And she had a neighbor who was not a Christian, as a matter of fact. This man was a very, very angry atheist, and the man hated the church. He hated the very idea of God. He hated all Christians, and he particularly hated this woman because of her godliness, She was always pleasant to him and he was always rude and very unkind to her in response. And this woman repeatedly tried to reach out to this man. She tried everything she could do to share the gospel of Christ and and he would not hear it. He would not tolerate any of it. And he despised her. He despised her God and he especially despised her chickens. You see, this lady raised chickens. As a matter of fact, it was one of the ways that she kind of made a living was by taking the eggs from the chicken, and she would sell them at market. Well, one day, the chickens kind of got out of the yard, and one of them flew over into the yard of this neighbor, and it just infuriated him. And he took that chicken, he picked it up, he wrung the chicken's neck, and he took it, and he threw it back across the fence into the neighbor's yard, and Not knowing exactly where he threw it, it landed right at the feet of this woman. He turned and he stormed into the house and later that evening, this woman went to the man's house and she knocked on the door and the door opened and this man saw this woman standing there with a fresh plate of fried chicken and she gave it to him and she said, I hope you enjoy your dinner. Her act of kindness so moved this man. It just broke his heart. And eventually he came to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now as difficult as it is, and it is, and as hard as it is, and it is, we bear the image of God and we manifest his power and presence in extraordinary ways. When we are kind to people, even those who don't deserve it. The wisest man who ever once lived aside from Jesus Christ was a man named Solomon. And he wrote a book back in the Bible called Proverbs. Now Proverbs really is a book that is basically the summary of the best practical wisdom straight from the heart of God. And Solomon, he believed kindness was so important and such an integral part of who we are that he has a lot to say about it. And one place in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, here's what he says. He says, never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Wrap them, write them deep within your heart, then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. Solomon is basically saying, it would be better for you to leave your house without your briefcase or your purse than to leave home without kindness. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 1922: "What is desirable in a man, what is desirable in a woman is their kindness. There's nothing people want more from you. There's nothing people will enjoy more from you, need more from you, and will cause people to remember you more than simply being kind. One thing about kindness is that kindness, tenderness, can motivate people to do things that rudeness and harshness never can. The greatest leaders are those who do not lead with the crack of a whip but lead with the warmth of a kind word. Many of you may remember Aesop. Many, many stories maybe you heard growing up in elementary school, but there was one particular story in which the wind and the sun were in an argument over who was the strongest, over who was the greatest. And the wind boasted, do you see that old man down there? I bet I can get him to take off his coat quicker than you. Well, the sun agreed to go behind the clouds while the wind blew up a storm. And however, the harder and the more fierce the wind blew, the the more the man just wrapped the coat around him. Eventually, the wind gave up and the sun came out and the sun began to just kind of shine very kindly and gently upon that old man. And before long, he began to wipe his brow and he took off his coat and he just began to stroll his merry way. See, the sun kind of knew the secret. The gentle warmth of kindness is far stronger than the harsh force of power and arrogance. Let's go back to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. There's one of the most amazing statements you'll find in all of the Bible. That sometimes if we just read it and don't really pay attention to this particular verse, you may miss something there that's very, very significant. And there it says a man with leprosy had come to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you are willing, I know you can heal me. You can make me clean. If you don't know anything about leprosy, it's one of the most cruel diseases in all of the Bible. As a matter of fact, leprosy is kind of symbolic of sin. And leprosy was oftentimes um, in the biblical days what AIDS is uh, to our day. And in verse 3, you'll find there a very, very profound statement That as this man said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, there in verse 3, stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Now you may say, why is that such an amazing statement? I mean, Jesus healed a lot of people. It's not the healing that was amazing. Not just the healing that was amazing. What was amazing is that Jesus Touched him. It's the first time in all of the Bible that we find someone who was willing to actually physically touch someone with leprosy. And it is, without question, a touch of kindness. A man by the name of Dr. Paul Brand is a leprosy specialist. And as I told you, leprosy, again, it is a very terrible disease. Except in its very early stages, The leper doesn't feel any kind of physical pain. In fact, it's part of the problem because one of the ways that leprosy affects a person is it begins to deaden all of the nerve endings. So if you have leprosy, you can no longer feel pain and and prevents um, uh, patients um, that just begin to damage their body uh, and they're not even aware of it. A person with leprosy, I mean, they can walk on broken glass all day and not even know it. They can drive a nail through their hand and they can't even feel it. The pain the leper felt in biblical times, it wasn't physical pain. What it was was it was social, it was, you know, personal pain. They were rejected by the community. They were total outcasts. As a leper, you were never, ever allowed to be around anyone unless it was another person with leprosy. And due to the contagious nature of leprosy, lepers lepers were never allowed within the city limits. They always had to live outside of town, in the country, alone, isolated, distant from other people. And so this Dr. Paul Brand, he was treating a very bright student uh, one day from India who had leprosy. And in the course of the examination, Dr. Brand simply put his hand on the young man's shoulder and told him through the translator what he was going to do to be able to cure this man's leprosy. And this man just began to break down and weep. And Dr. Brand looked at the translator and he said, did I say something wrong? And the translator said to him, no, he said, he's crying because you put your hand on his shoulder. And all the years this man has had leprosy, you are the first person who has ever reached out and touched him. There is a world out there that is covered with the sin of leprosy. People feeling rejected, alone, unwanted. And again, it is God's desire for us as his people to begin to reach out in that spirit of kindness, in that spirit of mercy, that spirit of love, and just begin to touch people and to love them with the love of God and to bring these people into the presence of God. Most of you have probably never heard of a man named Stephen Grellett. He was a Quaker and he died in New Jersey in 1855. He never really did anything great, and nobody would have ever heard of this man except for one statement that he made. And this was a statement that became so famous that if you were to look in a book of famous quotes, you would find this one. And there he said, I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it now. Let me not defer nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. Every one of us can and should play a key role in affirming the worth, the value in one another. And we can do this by by spending time, by listening, by praying, by encouraging Praying, there's tremendous power in kindness. It is the most powerful force in all of the world because, again, kindness is simply love in action. Kindness can and will literally change. It'll transform people's lives. I close with this verse in Hebrews 10:24, And there it says, in response to all God has done for us, get this, let us outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other. I don't know a more counter-culture statement, more counter-culture statement than that right there. And again, in in a society where where we just seem to be consumed by anger and divisiveness of self-centeredness, of anger, the attitude of what's in it for me, I'm too busy to care, I've got my own problems, I've got my own goals, I've got my own needs, my own desires. Forget the rest of the world. God says in light of what he's done for us, let us outdo one another in kindness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you that kindness is love in action. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that that kindness is not something... That we do, it is first and foremost, something that we are. It's something that that we embody. And Father, this morning I just ask, Lord, that as a work that it is that you do in us to, again, bring forth, to produce that kindness, Father, we again just want to open our hearts and we invite you to come and just to do that work of kindness in us. That that power that raised Christ from the dead, that power dwells in us. And it is that power that enables us to be, first and foremost, and then to do kindness. Father, open our eyes. Open our hearts to people around us. Not just here, but also in our workplaces, in our community. Because, God, there are so many places, so many people that just need that expression of kindness. So God, open our eyes, open our hearts. That God, when we come upon people, we come upon situations where kindness has the power and the potential to change and to transform that person, that environment, that situation. God, that you would quicken our hearts. That God, you would give us the words. That God, maybe you would just give us an idea, a picture of what we need to do. To just bring forth kindness, to pour forth kindness upon that person and that situation. And God, again, that we would understand what you require of us. And God, that is to love kindness. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, by the power of the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would help us to love kindness, to become kindness and to express kindness in all we say, in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.